What's up, guys? Hey, it's our first uh, our first interview under the new flagship name. Yeah. Patch notes. That's we the... might not be aware we rebranded ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. So we're... I'm in. I like it. <laughs> awesome. I approve. We, we like patch notes is just an easier. It, it's less of a mouthful. It's not as bad as the last one. You know, I didn't think the last name was bad, but it was definitely a mouthful. It, yeah, it was long. I mean, it was two lines in the in the logo because yeah. it just I mean, it had to be. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we have with us today. Do you want your whole name? Since that's how your author name is okay, yeah, give it Will, a try. yeah. <laughs> William Robert, uh, is it Dick Stein? No, it's Steen. Steen, you were okay. close, yeah. Dick Steen, thank you. Uh, didn't you ever see uh, the Frankenstein? Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> he is a um, a writer, and apparently he's done other. That <laughs> <laughs> was too big. <laughs> He's a, he's a writer. He's done some other things too, TV and and t- just TV, right? Yeah, just but, TV. <laughs> but lo- like local paid programming. That's like an offhanded. That's comment. the best. That's the best kind, though. <laughs> it was like ten years ago. Did you? There was the video of like, oh god, I, I feel so bad for the guy. He's like, first time on like PBS, and he's like, we're gonna answer your questions. And the guy calls in, and they're like, am I live on TV? He's like, yep, you're live on TV. He's like, suck my dick. He's like, <laughs> and he just hangs up. He's like, I don't know what to do right now. <laughs> you get the best stuff of PBS. Um, no, but he's written quite a bit of, um, you You called it uh, not, Did, not just comics. Yeah. But Okay, so I have eight comic books across okay. two volumes. There are 11 uh, works of short prose, so like novellas. That are for general audience slash adults mostly, and there's one uh, novella that's for kids, like eight to ten. But the reason he's here is because his stuff that he writes, they have superpowers. Correct. Yeah, it's uh, I like to call it um, dystopian superhero literature. I feel like that's a growing um, area. Like I, I feel like Marvel, Marvel's success has opened up the doors to like alternate. Um, superhero stories which is kind of cool because we're seeing a lot more a lot more especially in the dystopian space i mean even amazon has their uh the boys i don't even know that oh that's actually that looks pretty amazing um uh you can and you can find uh all the other works chosen and everything on amazon so it's there but they're they're doing the boys where it's a um some superheroes go bad. There's nobody to police them. So these band of boys get together and assassinate the bad heroes. Huh. The people who Will abuse be. their powers. Yeah, now that everything has been dark and gritty for a while, in my mind, I've been calling it like the lead age. The lead age. Or like the obsidian age. <laughs> you know, awesome. instead of like the golden age. Yeah. The graphite age? Oh, yeah, wrong gra- kind of lead. Gra- graphite, yeah. yeah. Um, Something like gray and just bad. It's. It, I think it falls in... I'm not quite sure because we're going to go over exactly what Chosen is sure. in a second, but... I think it falls something into what my favorite type of thing is, Frankie, My Hero Academia. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't call that dystopian or anything, but it's one of those things where everybody has a superpower. And if you don't, you're fucking weird. And this is where we're, I feel like we're heading that way with, with Marvel and stuff. And I like that. Like everybody has this thing they can do and you're like, I can't do anything. I'm like you can't do anything. You're weird. It's just, it's an interesting concept to flip the entire thing. On its head. So in Chosen, where do the powers come from? 
So great question, um, <laughs> which leads into the premise of the series pretty much, which is that uh, humanity has basically mapped out as part of the human genome um, a specific fate gene that we realize destines people for greatness. So it's given the markers CH05EN, which is how I've named the series, right? Nice, yeah. Um, and the CH05EN gene, if it's active, you know, can end up being anything. You might Your greatness might be that you're the world's best Mario 64 speedrunner, <laughs> or you may get superpowers. Nice. So in, in some some uh, way or form, you basically have a talent uh, uh, that could that you could benefit off of. It could be just that you save somebody's life. Hmm. You know, your gene activates and you pull somebody out of a uh, running train or something. Or is it uh, now? This is this is interesting. Is it only a one time thing? Like sometimes, so, sometimes it's only one time mm -hmm. thing. And then, do you know, like? If you're destined for greatness, when it, when it happens, you know, oh, that was what it was for. Generally, yes. Um, for individuals whose gene, like, activates in a time of duress or something like that, uh, they'll see, like, a wash of color across their vision. They'll feel like, heat in their chest, some kind of sensory overload sort of thing. And now you're saying activated. There's, like, something something will activate. Can it be manually activated? Like, you're saying they mapped out the genome. Can someone be like, we found it, it's on? So leads into a discussion sort of about CRISPR technology, right? Which uh -huh, is something yeah. we do in, in the real world. And actually, that is a big thing in the novel that's coming out in June. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, CRISPR is not for your vegetables in the you know, fridge. It's not that. <laughs> CRISPR is a technology. So um, for people at home that don't know, CRISPR is a, it's a, it's a method of editing the... Um, DNA strands by using a virus to kind of like cut and cut and then you insert the, the replacement piece. You can actually uh, illegally order the, the necessary components to use CRISPR genetics on yourself. It's an illegal like underground kind of thing. People are kind of abusing um, the I guess the laws and stuff to, to send stuff. There's a court case right now where somebody tried to give themselves the um, the genetic aberration that causes your muscles to keep growing, right? So, so there's like the little eight-year-old kid and he's just like totally ripped and there's like the cows that are like totally just muscles on muscles on muscles. He tried to CRISPR himself to have that genetic component to just build muscle. So yeah, that's like, we're entering that age. We're entering a very possibly scary age because these genetic changes carry forward in our um or in theory they carry forward in your into your children and the wrong crispr virus could become airborne and then suddenly the whole planet could become um yeah there's a lot of that yeah yeah, yeah. so i mean like eating french fries causes cancer so okay there, there was a study that did prove but i mean again i think you could like get cancer like of anything and i'm sure you could probably get cancer Listening to, listening to this podcast. <laughs> there it was. <laughs> well done. If you got cancer uh, from this podcast, I apologize. <laughs> we did not mean it. <laughs> we did not mean it. So we are, cannot be held accountable. So, so do P? Are there characters who've done the test and they know they are destined for greatness, and they're wondering when is it going to happen? So, episode one, which okay. was the first novella to come out in October of 2013, the main character. The people who have the gene, whether it's active or not, they're called chosen, right? Okay, spelled, yeah. spelled regularly. Yeah. So he is a non-active chosen. And the central conflict in the story is that his mom, who is Megatech, the world's most renowned supervillain, 
she is constantly trying to put him in situations that are going <laughs> to activate his chosen gene to yeah. see if he can help her in her supervillainy, pretty much. Nice. Yeah. I, I like I like the idea of someone um, almost with like an unfair amount of pressure. Oh, when, when is it going to go off? Yeah. Is, you know, do whatever. And, um, and maybe they feel inadequate because it hasn't. <laughs> And they're like, I'm sorry, I, I couldn't save those people. I, I should have been able to save those people. Performance issues. Yeah. Sorry, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't, oh, never mind. I'm not even going to say it. Uh, <laughs> um, I was, damn, I was just thinking of something too. So supervillain, um, we, uh, so he knows that he's got it. Oh, greatness. So you say, so we were saying that the, the gene is destined for greatness or uh, it's the fate, but greatness defined in what? Like, Great good question. And, good and evil? Yeah, great question. So um, the thing about what I'm doing with Chosen as a series is that the stories operate on multiple levels, right? It's like a little superhero onion. So, <laughs> so the first level is the story that I give to you. All the stories are told in the first-person narrative of the character who is the central part of the story. So you have 12 different narrators across 12 different works of prose, and then one central narrator in the eight comic books. And so you, you one, get the story. The second layer is that throughout all the stories, there are little details that if you read them all and you pay close enough attention are actually telling a larger story, right? And then the third one is a, is a sort of meta story between myself and the characters and you kind of where, you know, eventually you realize all my narrators are unreliable. None of them have the empiric truth because it's their first person mm -hmm. narrative, right? Yeah. So... So if you really pay a little bit closer attention, what you'll start to realize is like kind of a lot of the stuff that I even tell you about it is being shaped because it's dystopian is being shaped by the narrative that exists inside the world. So I have a page at the beginning of all my novellas and comics and it gives you the rundown, right? It's like mm -hmm. it tells you um, the capes work for the Global Hero Society. Uh, anyone who has superpowers and doesn't work for the Global Hero Society is deemed a freelancer. There's the control, and they have agents who recruit capes and stuff like that. And that overview, as it stands, it names the aggregate as the terrorist organization that exists in the world. But there are plenty of stories within the books I've written mm -hmm. where people in the aggregate are main characters. And, I mean, like, they're not, they're not terrorists. And so if that page is wrong then what you really need to think about is like how much other stuff that you hear in general is wrong. So asking like what kind of greatness, what is that? Dude, that's a great question. Like <laughs> is it even actually greatness? Like what's happening? Is it really a fate gene? Damn. Yeah. And so my head hurts now. <laughs> so one of the things I'm one of the things I'm doing in the novel uh, <clears throat> that's coming out uh, like before amazing sometime yeah uh we'll be there with me at amazing um one of the things i'm doing in there is really helping to showcase just how awful the the centralized world government like really is and so that is true to the the world right now that we yes <laughs> and so you can see and, and so that's you you as the reader can really see like wow a lot of the stuff that like the characters believe has been fed to them by whatever party they're a part mm -hmm. of you know what i mean and so like that, that first page that opens up all the stories is propaganda. Interesting. Very cool. I, I probably could have just said that instead of going off on that little thing. <laughs> no, no. I probably could have just said it was propaganda. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know if there's anybody listening right now, they're like, okay, this is awesome. I got to go. I got to figure it out now. If you would have been like, it's, it's propaganda. Like, oh, I don't care anymore. Fair. Thanks. 
if uh, if at this point in the podcast you want to go to the show notes, click the link uh, directly to Amazon and start downloading to Kindle or whatever, uh, you can do that and keep listening to us talk. Yeah, so, and if yeah, so. we well, just found out if you have Kindle Unlimited, it's free. Yeah. All yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's included. It's Let's included. say it's included. It's included. It's included. Yeah, because yeah, Kindle's not free. But I mean, yeah, you, you get it. You get it. Yeah. Um, and actually looking at the prices, to be fair, uh, looking at the prices um, are very generous. I mean, they're, I think I think $8 was the most expensive one you had on there. Oh, boy. I think that's actually something that Amazon actually might have done on its own, depending on what you were looking at. So they when they have, when they have like collections, yeah. when you tell them it's part of a collection, they'll also give you the option to just download the whole collection or whatever, and they'll just like assign some kind of price. So the comics are $9.99 because they're volumes. There's four comics okay, yeah, in yeah. each one. And then... All of the novellas individually are 99 cents, and the anthologies, which is the collection of whatever novellas are in that anthology, are 2.99. That's still, I think, cheaper than just about every comic. I think because yeah. I, I, I Fabi goes and buys comics every week. She has her comic box, and I think they're 3.99 at the. I think at, on, a, on average. So yeah, my my uh, my volumes one and two of of Grizz of the comic books are like 90 pages each. Yeah, so a lot of no excuse to not go buy it. Go buy it, you assholes. I'm just kidding. <laughs> kidding, kidding. But not about the going to buy it. Go buy it. Um, so do you have a, def- uh, a definite stopping point where you're going to end Chosen or... That's not a bad or, or move on to the next universe. So yes and no. I want to start writing other stuff pretty soon. I um, Here's what happened. Is in 2013, I... I just like was in this writing group on Reddit, right? And that turned into Chosen Episode 1. And so when I started self-publishing and like people I didn't know started reading it, you know, and you get obsessive about like seeing how many downloads you have and all that yeah. stuff. <laughs> we know that one from the <clears throat> podcast side. Every nine weeks I had another novella out in the beginning. And so I was like, this is really fun, you know, and I don't want to stop doing it. And none of my stuff really is written to market. They don't follow like set formulas other mm-hmm. than having like a four act structure and stuff like that. Um, and so what I'm really getting at is, is, you know, it's, it's still really fun even when I'm like losing steam a little bit. Cause that yeah. was six years ago. Yeah. And so I want to write other stuff, but at the same time, like five years ago, my plan with this first novel was to get it traditionally published. My plan was always like, I'm going to get a little platform built with my novellas and start having people online who like me. And then you know, we have like a writer's conference that comes every year. You can pitch agents there. And the first year I went, I had like three agents who were like, send me the manuscript. I want to read it. You know, and I got really great feedback, which was awesome. Uh, and then the second year I went, I had an even better manuscript and I had an even larger platform with more down. Like I yeah. doubled my downloads that year, really trying to focus on like getting a lot of people to read me. And then when I went to the conference that year, which was two years ago or whatever, every agent I talked to, they were like, dude, you're doing great. Like, why do you want to be traditionally published? And I was like, I don't know, because it's the dream, like, right? <laughs> so so now what I'm doing with Chosen is just keeping it self-published, doing whatever yeah. I want with it still. I, I have people who follow it online and they want to read it. And then I still want to be traditionally published. So yeah, like pretty soon I'm going to take some kind of thing I think is going to be fun to write, write it to market and try and go traditionally published. But you're going to get traditionally published in something... That's not this. That's not this. So you maintain yeah. this baby. Pretty much. Yeah. That's nice. It's interesting to think about it that way too, because in in my mind, I see that chosen is excelling past traditional publishing. Like it's it's going past it, and you still like. Well, I mean, I might be doing really well with this, but I still want to be traditionally published, even though it, just for the credit, you know. Yeah, some yeah. people might think it's a step back. But it's really not. It's just what I want to do. Yeah, and that's that's that I like because it's you're doing what you want to do. That's the whole point. 
Yeah, and I, I think one of the biggest uh, <clears throat> advice we can give to uh, our listeners is with this, um, my friend here, you can see that he had a, a vision, and even though he's met stuff and that he has uh, pro- progressed even further than what he wanted it from what it sounds like, he still has a goal. And at this point, I guess what I'm trying to say to you guys is don't give up on a goal just because you meet a different end that was on your path. That doesn't mean you have to give up. Don't let your dreams be dreams. Yeah, don't let your dreams be dreams. <laughs> That's where exactly. I was going. But it's also interesting, too. The, the, it's, I'm keyed in on the starting point for you. Um, there's a lot of people that are like, uh, you know, I was just, I was like uh, drawing something and I put it on Facebook or I was in a Reddit group and I wrote something and then that's where it is. If you find something that you like to do, even if it's on Reddit, it, it's proof that it can push you forward and you can mm-hmm. do stuff that you want to do with it. You could be chosen. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so do you, do you have any other ideas? I mean, obviously you have other ideas. Would you be willing to share any of the ideas for any other thing from that's not chosen oh sure yeah so one that we were kicking around my girlfriend and i recently was um a whole a whole series about like anthropomorphic snakes so i'll tell you why this happened (laughs) so we went to san antonio last january january this year yeah uh and we went to the zoo and when we went to the zoo that day it was insanely cold i mean just like really really cold out so none of the animals that you would normally look at at a zoo were doing anything so we went to the reptile exhibit and all the snakes were out and i never realized but there's like a lot of different kinds of snakes man there's like garden snakes and like vipers or whatever and there's just like so many of them and then so you start thinking like okay well obviously the venomous ones are like the evil snakes right (laughs) and so you just you just top down like this fantasy universe where like you got snakes who like are just like gardener snakes and they're like the, I don't know, the peons, you know, and you got... So. If your gardener snake is not an actual gardener, I'm going to be very disappointed. <laughs> you know, so... I mean, I think this would... That'd be kind of cool because there was... Um, I forget the samurai rabbit, but he originally was his own thing and then later on became a team-up true character to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, what, Jimbo. what, what was the... Uh, what was that series two of books? It's like fantasy books, but they're all like... Um, Man, they're all animals and stuff. There's like a badger and I oh, the badger, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? I yeah, can never totally. Remember. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that series is kind of given credit for creating because in tabletop there's a uh, there's one about like you all play different mice and you're like swashbuckling mice, <laughs> but that actually was inspired by that other like anime um, badger it has the badger and. And different animals have different roles in society yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, I can't remember what the name of it is. So though. would a lion be top? Yeah. Wait, okay. was this the one with the, like the elephant? Or I don't know. I, I didn't read that. You're saying, okay, so we're talking about something that has animals in it. And you said one animal. You didn't give us any. Is that the one with the elephant? I could be. There is probably an elephant in there somewhere. <laughs> but so it'd be like that, but just snakes. Only snakes. <laughs> All snakes. Only, only snakes. All snakes. All snakes, yeah. Oh. All snakes. And it would be you know, written to market, it'd be straight high fantasy, it'd be like, you know, if books were burgers, it would be just a cheeseburger, man. <laughs> you, you know, that's what it would be. You'd be like, I feel like a cheeseburger. Damn I'm gonna it. read this new book by Will Dixon. I honestly do feel like a cheeseburger in terms of books sometimes. Like I just I'm just like, you know what? Uh life is hard sometimes and I do not want to work 
to get flavor out of this book. I can tell you exactly a, a, a time that happened 100%. I went to the co- local comic book store, was looking through, and was like, uh, Green Lantern, uh, Superman. Uh, okay, I mean, uh, Superman's my favorite, but I've, I know, I haven't read everything, but I, you know, I know most of it. What is something else like it? Snot Girl. Sn- okay. I read Snot Girl. Okay, Snot Girl could be interesting. That's, that's a different take on it. And I mean, Snot Girl was also written by the same person who did Scott Pilgrim, which is my favorite movie of all time. So yeah. Snocker was crazy. That was a crazy <laughs> book. Um, actually there is one of the other ones that I pointed out. Have you ever heard of Chew? Yeah. I like Chew a lot. Chew is the craziest idea for a story I've ever heard, but it also is the most interesting in my opinion. So Chew is this guy who can see the last moments of somebody's life. If they eat, if he eats them. So like if he that's why he's a vegetarian. He doesn't eat cow, you know, he doesn't eat beef because he can see how the cow died when he eats it. So he becomes a detective to, you know, detect and do things to figure out who murdered who, but the only way he can figure it out is by eating the corpse. It's crazy. They did a crossover too with that um zombie comic. Um, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh what was the name of that comic, man? It was like small town, people are like getting possessed by spirits, they come back. Uh, man, I'm not gonna remember it. That yeah. was like three years ago. <laughs> there, was, there was a lot of zombie comics in the last couple of years. It's hard to, I mean, it's only gr- important that we remember one series right now, Chosen. <laughs> Thank you. All the rest, it's just it's just books about elephants, apparently. Well, I mean, uh, so we, <laughs> <laughs> it's snakes, it's snakes, and snakes. Uh, we just want to tell you how you guys can, you know, find it. If you go, well, obviously, you can't go into a comic book store yet and get it. But you can get it on Amazon. Some of them here do carry it. Okay, though, some, okay they do. Some, some here do carry it. I was actually going to ask that. So. Yeah, some of them. You know, I, I do the conventions, and so you meet people, and then you're like, they're like, oh, I'd carry this in my shop. And so sometimes... We, we yeah. actually do have a couple, you know, a couple local listeners, because we tell friends of ours to listen. So which local stores here would carry it? Do you know? Now, no. But okay. That's fine. That's fine. Like, as of two years ago... Um, uh, still no, still no. No. Yeah, <laughs> still no. so I, I have i have kind of like two questions so the first question is uh describe the process if you didn't have an amazon account at all right now um but you had a you had a twenty thousand page or that twenty thousand word short story 20, pages, yeah. war and peace <laughs> twenty thousand word uh novella and you wanted to self-publish what would you start with? How would you do it? Uh, so I'd get an editor. Okay. And I would have someone edit it, at least for line edits. And how would you find is, those Which editors? is like grammar. I mean, you can find them anywhere, man. Like, So the easiest place, if you're looking for a community, is just the self-published board on Reddit. Okay. Honestly, the best guides are there, and the best people to connect with are there. And five years ago, that wasn't the case. You know, I had to find people that people knew. But even now, it, the indus- like the self-publishing industry is so big now that anyone who's inside of it has a million contacts they can give you. And, and if you're here locally, talk to the Henderson writers group. They're our biggest like writing contact, like in, in the city, they, they put on the Las Vegas writers uh, conference and there's plenty of self-publishers in there. They know plenty of editors. There's just like, there's people all over all the time. You can go to Fiverr and find somebody who will at least give you good grammar correction, Yeah, which is really important. I'm, I'm a grammar Nazi, so I mean, if you, anybody needs something to edit, I can, I can do it. But. James is listed on Fiverr, um, $29.95. Isn't Fiverr supposed to be five bucks? Isn't that the whole it's point? It's never five oh, bucks. Okay. So I start, with, I start with an editor, 
Okay. You don't want to design your own cover ever unless you're an actual artist or graphic artist. But if you don't do that at like literally professionally and you haven't already been making book covers, just pay somebody. And you can get them for as little as like $25. It's super easy, especially if you're only going to publish on Kindle and you don't need something that can be printed across an actual like book and you only need one image that's going to go on Amazon. Just pay somebody like 20 bucks and they'll make it for you. I so, literally won't download some sketch book cover thing. Like I'm like, <laughs> Nope, looks like, and I, I mean, there's no reason to associate it, but yet probably you can. You actually probably can associate the quality of a cover in terms of the, yeah, it looks like a weird blobby stick figure drawing. I'm like, I appreciate that the author probably drew it, but also I don't appreciate it because <laughs> I don't want to. So when I started publishing in yeah. 2013, there wasn't a superhero category on Kindle. Okay. There wasn't. That didn't happen until 2015, I think, which was like an amazing thing. So, but even then, the amount of people who are self-publishing every single day, yeah. if you weren't on point, if you didn't have, you know, a little bit of momentum behind you, if you weren't sending it out to bloggers and stuff like that to read it so they could put their review up the yeah. day you released and stuff like that, if you weren't driving traffic somehow, it was like you were... Uh, Just vanish? Yeah, basically. Yeah. I was going to say euphemism, but I don't want to... So anyway, so so my point is, it's it's so much bigger now that if you don't look like you belong, no one is going to take a second look at you. Yep. So your cover needs to match whatever kind of genre that you're in. You you should be looking at like the top ten covers in that genre, in in across different categories and niches and stuff like that that match what your book relates to. And you should be hiring somebody to make your cover looks just like that. So Rich, I bet I can get you to buy a book if the book was called "How to Draw a Really Bad Cover" and then you put a bad cover on it. Would that could we could we entice you with that one? If if I was looking to get into the business of doing bad covers, bad covers, <laughs> apparently that's the book I would be convinced to buy. Yeah, the actual mechanics behind publishing after that point are super easy. It's your click buttons on Amazon and. And it puts it up, yeah. you know, yeah. you, there's all kinds of what I, what I, and actually, uh, I was on a panel at this last year's yeah. writer's conference about this. And the biggest thing, uh, in, in my opinion is keywords now on Amazon in particular, Ugh. it, you know, I would say like maybe 5% of the amount of readers I could be reaching here locally know who I am. People come to the conventions mm -hmm. and they recognize me now and stuff like that. And it's really, really great. But the 95% of my readership is all online and it's all keyword driven readership. And so beyond paying an editor and beyond paying a cover artist, you should also be paying for the keyword tools that exist now because people are making tools specifically for self-published authors to help you dial in how to get your book seen on Amazon. So you, you, you gave us the information about the um, editor, the cover, the keyword tools, um, you, but you mentioned but didn't quite explain how important it is today. Even now, if you, if you release a new book, um, how active are you reaching out to people saying, Hey, I, I need a review. Cause your, your books are all four and a half star rated books. So which is good. Cause it's a five star rating. Just pointing that out. <laughs> it's four and a half out of 99 stars. <laughs> yeah. No, it's out, of, it's out of five stars. It's really good. So, and, and there's guides on this, right. That'll yeah. really lay it out for you. But, uh, me personally, at this point, I have a nice little list of people who I can send review copies to who, when something comes out, they'll start leaving reviews on it, which gives you traction on the website and increases your rankings. So you get seen by people who aren't on your list. But beyond that, a big thing, a big thing beyond that, beyond having a list of people who will review you 
is just having a mailing list so that when something comes out, you're letting people who have already downloaded your stuff or shown interest in some way, right? No. And so that's where like MailChimp comes in. And all I was just going to say MailChimp. <laughs> yeah. It's the, and it's the same thing you guys are probably doing with your podcast, right? Where when you have a new episode. Sure. Up, yeah. yeah. We, we do all that. Uh, yep. We're as part of our rebranding episode, we're now doing it or going to be doing it right. And so what um, I, what I used to offer in the newsletter that I no longer do is, um, free content also. I used to write little 1000 word story, like flash fiction sure. that, that started off the thing. And then I would do like a little diary entry. And then I would also put an advert for whatever. What about social media? So social media is super important. I think no. So this is my opinion. I don't think anyone can really decide on which platform is most important for self-published authors right now. Okay. I think if you're a traditionally published author and you're like a Brandon Sanderson, then Twitter probably is still king, uh, which is really weird. But Wait, why is it weird? It's weird because like, who's on Twitter, bro? <laughs> well, we are. I, I mean, I, I, have, I have conversations with all kinds of authors, actually, mm -hmm. actually a lot of authors yeah. on Twitter. Yeah. It's still um, king in a lot of ways. I think on a self-published in like it's terms of self-publishing, I actually think Instagram is bigger and, mm -hmm. and it's really weird because it probably shouldn't be, but all, almost all of the successful self-publishers that I know are incredibly active on on multiple platforms sure. but i mean yeah. like their instagrams kill it kill it okay i think the reason i stated i mean we we have our twitter for you know for the show and everything but the, i think the reason i stayed away from personal twitter for a while was i created you know when twitter was big i created the twitter account and they didn't have the tools that they have in place now and you'd get hey do you want to come see my web go to this web page and i was just like you know i'm tired of just getting these advertisements for obvious either phishing websites or just straight porn so i stopped using twitter but it has come a long way since you know four I, or five years ago i always tell i mean just as a person who has always used twitter and i feel like twitter is more active today than it yeah. was before and i'm pretty sure the numbers bear that out but there's definitely um there's a, a more of a split between, I think most people now don't try to be active on multiple social media platforms. So they're like, all, you know, I'm all about Instagram or I'm all, all about Facebook. And, I, and like for us, I contribute content to Instagram. So I've got my 6,300 6, followers on Instagram or whatever. I contribute content, but I don't participate. I'm not going to people's posts and leaving comments yeah. or something like that. Whereas on Twitter... I'm replying to people and I, and I, I feel like I'm an active participant in the community where, and on Facebook, I definitely, I'm a, I'm a ghost. To touch on that too, you know, the ability to have conversation with people that you're reaching on social media, yeah. obviously super important, but the answer about which one is more effective, which platform is more effective, yeah. it changes when you talk about organic versus paid advertising. I think yeah. it also changes based on um, what you're, what you're doing in general. I mean, obviously yes, but so your case uh, Twitter and Instagram are probably the best for publish and self-publish. Um, I play a lot of video games and uh, there's a lot of mobile games out there that are like, if you want to go to Discord, you can talk directly to the game direct developers at Discord. But you can't do that on Twitter. You can't do that on Facebook. Yeah. So it's it's all over the place. Depending on what you're doing, you have sure. to know where to go look. They're, they definitely each have their own their own uses. Like I always say Twitter is, feels like being at a convention. It's... You know, a convention is a bunch of people who like things that you probably like because that's why you're at that convention, yeah. not a different convention. And Twitter self, um, 
you know, self filters, but they're not people, you know, that's the thing is like, like on Facebook, it's only people you kind of know you're in a very, very small bubble. Um, Instagram doesn't have any of that. Instagram is totally just, you like this kind of thing. And so you see more, not even the same people. It's just anybody who contributes to that thing will suddenly start coming through your feed. Well, Instagram more or less works off the hashtag system. Mm Mm-hmm. It's, it's really like how many hashtags are you? That's why they really emphasize, uh, emphasized on now you can follow hashtags because yeah. they're like, get behind. Oh, like for his specific, I'm pretty sure you have a hashtag chosen that's specifically the CH05. Yeah. And then I'll, I'll tag author stuff too with like specific author hashtags. Do you do well on Instagram? I do. Okay. I mean, my personal marketing strategy doesn't really involve a lot of social media because to go back to the keywords thing, I mean, like I'm in, I'm not even just in like the superhero niche. I'm in the dystopian superhero niche. So my, my pie of the readers yeah. is just really localized and specialized. And I mean, you know, I could spend a lot of time on paid advertising on stuff that isn't Amazon, yeah. but I just don't see a lot of return from it. And so I just make sure that my keywords are constantly changing and, and being the best they can be on the back end. And then that I'm also paying for Amazon advertisements. And I, oh, and you have a mailing list. I don't have a mailing list anymore. Oh, you don't? No, I don't anymore. Okay. Yeah. I was, I, I, uh, I just don't do it anymore. So. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, yeah. If it, if something's not working or if it's just taking too much of your time and you could do better elsewhere. We, we, do better chose elsewhere. To, we chose to put our effort into social media instead of a mailing list. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could be wrong. I don't know. Probably I'm wrong. I'm yeah, probably uh, wrong. Here's the thing, though. A mailing list, or you know, a mailing list is uh, a, a thousand times easier if your mailing list is words. Obviously, if you're a writer, a mailing list is easier. If you're trying to do a mailing list for a podcast or something audio or a video, even well, it, the, it is a little bit more difficult. The thing about a podcast is people have already subscribed to the show. So the show is already going to them. So for us to send them an email saying, "Hey, open up your podcast client." And check the show that it's if you had notification. Yeah. yeah, it's a little bit redundant. Yeah. But I, I, I actually, I do think if we were doing a um, how to do podcast, which I was on a panel just last month at Level Up about it, and um, people did talk about growing a mailing list, especially in the beginning, can be a good way because it does let you remind people, hey. And I know personally, I will suddenly like I will be especially before I would not open a podcast client for a while. And so, yeah, I missed notifications yeah. and there's a big pile. And then I'm like, oh, well, I'm only going to skip to the most recent one, especially news podcasts like us. Yeah. Generally, you know, it gets outdated. Any of the stuff that you do, it's going to take a certain amount of time for you to see any kind of result anyway. You know, you need months of meaningful data to decide whether or not it's working for you. Yeah, we're, we're waiting. Come on, guys. <laughs> so, you know, but for me, it was just like I was doing a lot of stuff for quite a while and then when i sat down and i looked at what was really working for me and how much time stuff was taking you know like man i'm not really getting a lot out of this newsletter that i ran for two years you know talking about uh a hardship or a struggle that comes with um pushing your own initiatives forward what kind of kept you like rolling what what would you say was a reliable um thing to kind of pick yourself up that helped you be like you know what I lost this one, but I'm going to keep going. Getting reviews from random people. Yeah? Even when they don't like you. Okay. You're just like, I don't know you, and you felt some kind of way <laughs> about something that I made. Like, yeah. I just, like, that, that you can make anybody feel anything. That's, 
it, yeah, all the time. When I'm like, I don't really feel like writing today. I'm like, ah, but someone's gonna read it. You yeah. know? <laughs> like, oh, that's, that's I think cool. that's uh, is what did you say. That's the most important thing for when you were doing it. Like getting your reviews is what like. Yeah, like, okay, I, I need to keep doing this, or this is what's going to keep pushing me forward. Oh, especially in the beginning. Yeah. When I, between episode one and episode two, I, like, episode one, it really took off because there just wasn't a lot of superhero mm -hmm. stuff on Amazon then. There really wasn't, and it was hard to find, and I really, really pushed it. I mean, I spent a lot of time reaching out to just, just, like, every facet of the internet that gave a crap, and... You know, it it caught fire, man. It was it was number one in a in a couple of categories for like six weeks. It was crazy. I got like I think I got like seven thousand downloads the first month. Just insane. I'm and, pretty sure that I've read because um, with Kindle Unlimited, yeah, you just like you just start burning through content. Mm -hmm, and I'm do. pretty sure that I've read some Chosen because I read superhero fiction. Mm -hmm. I love I love very specifically non comic book superhero fiction. So yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I've read it, and that's. Because there wasn't a lot of competition. There, yeah, there wasn't for a long time. And there and there is a healthy amount now, but even still, a lot of the guys who were not giving me a hard time, but who were taking over a lot of the market have branched out. Like, um, what's his name? Uh, Lucas Rutherford, I think is his name. He had a really big series for a long time. Brandon Sanderson. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Brandon Sanderson's Reckoners series, you know, took a large part of the market share, but he, he writes them so slowly, it like almost doesn't... My girlfriend is casting to the wrong one. Um Brandon Sanderson alone though, I feel like if you're in any kind of fantasy or sci-fi or well any kind of writing like that, Brandon Sanderson is one of those names that comes to the top. So it's hard to compete with Oh yeah. I mean he's not he's not competition in any yeah. way. That, I would love if he was. <laughs> no. So anyway, my point is, you know, um there wasn't there just wasn't a lot when I started anyway. So I had a really good foot in the door. And um, yeah, that was my point. I think it's really interesting too, what you were saying, like when you were, you were drilling down, it seems like, so you're a writer. Okay, so you write. What do you write? Okay, I write, you know, a superhero stuff. Is it specific superhero stuff? Yes, it's dystopian superhero stuff. Okay, so when you get down that far, now it's a niche, you know, dystopian superhero is a niche, but you're the king of it. So it just feels like, it's interesting that you're like, okay, yeah. I'm, I'm like right. a lord of it. <laughs> you know, I've got some land and a title and stuff, but I'm not a king. I mean, I wish. That'd be cool. It, you, know, you know why I'm not the king? And I'll, There's a real answer. Because I write short stories. I'm not. If I'd spent the last six years putting novels out, I'd be, I would be on all the way on top. I'd be, and, and you know what? Six years from now, we'll see. Yeah. That's what, the, that's, I mean, that's the best way to think about it. That's why I switched to putting novels out. I mean, like, I was always going to write the book. I was always going to write a novel because I wanted to shop it around and stuff like that. But now that I'm not doing that, I mean, they're going to come out real fast. Like I, this first one's going out in June. I've already got the second one basically outlined. It's going to come out really soon. Like we're going to see a lot more. So with uh, you having more coming out, uh, is there a particular order that for the books? So this came up, uh, so the listeners know, this came up before we started recording. You can read any chosen work in any order that you want to. Currently, especially the kids ones, because there's only one of them. So um, minus the comics, the comics are linear. You do need to read the comics in order, um, but that's OK, because there's only two actual books and they go in order anyway. So any of the short stories you can read in any order, they bounce around, but not so much that you can't follow them. Um, the novels are going to follow a loose linear format, but 
We're still going to change narrators every time, like I've done with the short stories. And they're going to be modeled mainly after, and this is a throwback, uh, The Vampire Chronicles by Anne Rice. Okay. Okay, so if you read them, you'll know that those narrators also change every time. Yep. Yep. They do follow the same loose, linear timeline, but you can you can read any one of those in order, really. I mean, if you, you could have just started with The Vampire Lestat and just skip Interview with the Vampire completely. You know what I mean? I'm gonna start Especially with because their time frames are so long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They get the vampires. They just get that, they get that time. Um, so here's the question that I need to know personally. Um, I've had two or three ideas that I feel are really, really good that I've been bouncing around for writing. Where do you start? So, I mean, obviously you'd start with an outline, right? Like how, I didn't, how I didn't always. This is, um, this is like a conventional like writing question, yeah. right? Yeah. So, I'll give you the conventional right answer, which, which is... Give us your answer. What do you do? Do you like drink coffee and watch anime or something before you do it? <laughs> He's like, actually, that's pretty spot on. Um, okay. So, all right. So I'll give you a two-part answer. First part, generally people fall into one of two camps, which is you're either outlining or you're a seat of the pants kind of right? Yeah. Okay. So for a long time, I was strictly seat of the pants. I All, all I would ever have is the way that I wanted something to begin and then the way that I wanted it to end, and I just would have a good time getting there. And you can really feel that in the first five because they, they don't meander, but I mean, like, <laughs> I just, like, wanted to write whatever I wanted, whatever I felt like writing. So somewhere in, in the Origins collection, I really started having a much better idea of what I wanted each scene to do and how I wanted to tell the stories. So now I'll operate with probably 75% of, like, an actual solid outline. But even the outline, I still just start with like, I want it to begin this way and I want it to end this way. And then sometimes in the middle of writing something, I'm outlining stuff still, which is why it's like 75%. Yeah. I don't like to lock myself in too much, which can be good. You know, it helps you produce really quickly. But for me, it just isn't fun. I still need some, I still need like a little bit seat in my pants. Yeah. That, that's, that's fair. Do you get anything, do you have anything that gets you like, that starts your, I always say you start your day for writing like, cause I know, like, I'm, I work in computers, and I know I, several of my coworkers are like, "Well, if I don't have my coffee, I'm not going to do any work today." Like, for a long time, it was reading comics. For a long time, it was like, "Let me go read my pull list for the week, mm-hmm. and then I'll knock out whatever I have yep. to write this week." But writing is a muscle, and the more that you exercise it, the better you get at just using it when you have to. So, right now, I'm doing a lot of editing, but when I was working on the kids' story, you know, it was like, "Okay, I have time at." This time this week, this time this week, this time this week. And so it's just like, those are the times I have to just sit down and write what I have to write. So I just, I'm, that's, where I'm, that's where I'm at yeah. personally, yeah. Me and uh, James are both uh, comedians with uh, conventions here in town. And one of the abilities or things I do to make sure I have content for the con or actually new, new things for people to enjoy is I'll just use my notepad on my phone, write a new joke. And commonly I've heard like that's pretty much with uh, a lot of people like with different trades is just always have that notepad. Always when you have an idea, don't be like, ah, I'll remember that. Don't, Literally you just, cannot remember yeah. it. No, you can't. You it's impossible. Yeah. I have a ton of stuff on my phone. Yeah. So much. Just jot it down. And yeah. like I had the other day I had somebody like go through my and they're like, well, what does this even mean? I was like, oh, dude, I even forgot I thought about that. <laughs> I was like, man, that's going to make millions. They're like, what are you going to do that? We we might be lucky though, Frankie, because we have a lot of weird shit just happen to us. So comedy comes easy when there's just weird shit happening all the time. Yeah. We had what that one a girl get she stole our microphone one time during our panel 
And she went off on a tirade for about five, 10 minutes about some sexual escapade she went on. And then she's like, oh, my dad's here. I got to go. And then she left. And this was in front of like, you know, a whole panel of people were just like, what just happened right now? I don't know what's going on anymore. So has that been something that's happened to you in like a public setting or like any of the con settings? Have you been like a crazy, awkward fan or something? <laughs> uh, sort of yes and sort of no. Um, they're listening. Be careful. I'm not going to say their name. Here, here's where I'll go with that question. Okay. Is um, not long ago, maybe like a year or so. I don't know where it was. It was probably a random comment on Reddit or something. But this guy was talking about how for a long time he was in a band that didn't really take off, but sort of took off and how they toured across the country, but never had like a number one single on a radio station you would listen to. Right. Like they almost got there, but not quite. But he said that on the way there, he realized that the line between fan and friend for a long time is like non-existent, right? Because when they would tour, they wouldn't stay in hotels or sleep in the van. They would sleep at people's houses who would become oh, fans yeah. of their music. And so when they came back to that city, they had a place to stay, right? Yeah. So what I'm getting at is there are lots of awkward people <laughs> who like my stuff, but I like those people if I have any kind of interaction with them at all. And there's a lot of them who... Like a lot of my friends on Facebook are people who didn't know me but read my stuff and then added me and now I know them. Nice. I feel like uh, we, uh, you and I, Frankie, we've gotten a lot of friends. Actually, a lot of close friends too by just letting people go up and try to do a stand-up bit and we're like, here's how you make it better. And then now they're better than us. So. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I think that's always like great to have the the interaction with like fans and or anybody who has even just maybe liked one story or something. It allows you to kind of see that different aspect because just like you were saying, um, it's good to have the critics of someone being like a good a review being like, oh, dude, this was so awesome. I really enjoyed it. And it's also really good to hear the guy be like, man, you really fucked up on that guy's storyline. Like, that is not how I would have done it. And, you know, it, it people would be like, oh, well, then most writers would be like, fuck that guy. He can write his own story. I mean, you're not wrong. Most writers probably would. But also writers have that kind of like back of their mindset be like maybe i kind of should change like what what would make this character more enjoyable or something and are, that, are you one of those people do you second guess yourself a lot or are you committed <laughs> it, it really it depends on like as uh, somebody who i don't know i've i have my own storylines i've came up with i'm not gonna write a story but i well and, and comedy I've seen you were like, you, this joke is going gonna, gonna to work and I'm going to say it whether it does or not. And then when it bombs, you're like, it didn't fucking work, but I tried it anyway. So, um, yeah, there's uh, when it, that usually happens, I, I've quickly just kind of been, will uh, do a self, it's self, self deprecating. Yeah. You're like, well, that was fucking stupid, wasn't it? I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> just because it, it kind of puts that perspective of like, not like it's not going to get a full laugh. It's more of just like a, <laughs> what about William? Oh, I do I second guess myself? Yeah. Hardly. No. No. I just don't. But but I don't really bring an ego to the writing. Okay. So when I get feedback, I don't really care what it is. Uh like I don't care if it's good or bad, I'll take it. Um and if I think it's constructive enough to use, I'll use it. The only time I have a little bit of an ego when it comes to editing or changing stuff, the first person to read anything I write is always my older brother. 
And so it's really, it's so weird. It's like, we'll spend 10 or 15 minutes being totally fine. And then I'll get to one of his comments where he's like, I just didn't understand this. I'm like, how could you not? How? Like, I was so clear. And then the second I cooled down, I'm like, you know what? You're right. I should <laughs> Have you ever um, put in corrections to a, to a Kindle book? Oh, I've had to one time. One time. One time. Yeah. I haven't ever gone back and changed anything. Yeah. The only time I did was with episode two. I don't know what happened, but when I hit publish, it was with like literally the wrong file. And so it got downloaded like seven times. Wow. I don't even know to whom, yeah. but seven times like over the course, like overnight, it yeah. got downloaded and they got half the book. So literally half, yeah. half of it. So I had to re-upload and then it takes them like six or seven hours a lot of the time yeah. to like re-approve and then whatever. And so I, and so I went through a whole process too with Amazon being like, dude, can you like re-push the file to whoever downloaded it and like, oh, it's, it, you know, no. And like, all this, <laughs> like I had to go through a whole thing with them to be like, no, it's like they, what they say is like only if the content is um, like greatly modified. And so I'm, I literally was on the phone, you know, in 2017 or whatever, like, hey, it's like they're missing half the book, man. I would consider that greatly yeah. modified because they're yeah. missing half of it. Yeah, it was 2014. There, um, there was one, um, one Kindle book, Unlimited, that I, that I read that the author actually published each chapter, one chapter per week. I'm oh, yeah. Sure. It was pretty, it was a pretty interesting, weird um in my in my opinion, not something I want. It's a big thing on <laughs> Wattpad, I think. A lot okay. of people get like a lot of subscribers or readers or whatever on Wattpad, and they do that. That's like that was, but that was that just seems like a, you know, people were doing that like 15 years ago when you had just were writing on a blog. Do you know what I mean? That yeah. was like I don't understand. Your, your don't live understand. journal, people. Yeah, read yeah. It. <laughs> I don't understand why you would want to publish one chapter at a time anymore, unless you're doing like a webtoon. That yeah, yeah no, that that works. Yeah, yeah. I I, mean, I I feel like it's like a lack of commitment. And so if, if not enough people download a, a chapter, then maybe they just won't publish the rest of the book. And I personally, I'm like, I'd, I'd rather just wait to, to binge to make sure it even gets finished. It was actually a really good book. Now that I think about it, it was actually, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> Have you ever gotten uh, a comment before about something that you've been writing where they don't know what's coming up and you're like, you're like, oh, this is where I think you did it wrong. You're like, just wait a minute. All the time when people are in the middle of reading something, yes. But I think comments like that can be really good because, so going back to the book that's coming out, um, I have an editor that I worked with a long time ago who I'm working with again. And he's really great. His name is um, Josiah Davis and it's jdbookservices.com. Uh, JD. Yeah. So so anyway, he's he's awesome. And he gives very little developmental editing, but he's like the best line editor probably on the planet. The guy catches everything. And so the point I'm getting at here, obviously, is, um, you know, when he just as a reader is like, hey, this doesn't make sense. Like, you really have to think about that kind of thing. And, and if it's like, it doesn't make sense because he hasn't gotten to the bottom of a paragraph yet. Okay, sure. But also, it should probably still make a little more sense <laughs> higher up in the paragraph. Yeah. You know, it should yeah. probably still make a little more sense in chapter one, even if it gets expanded on chapter three. Um, I read really quickly. I'm a really voracious reader when I'm spending time reading. So one thing that I always notice is how often an author calls out a detail about someone more than once. So if you read Joe Abercrombie's uh, series with uh, Logan Ninefingers, right? Say one thing about Logan Ninefingers. He says that over and over. <laughs> Kurt Vonnegut in um, Cat's Cradle, so mm -hmm. it goes, right? Over and over. And so 
even if you say it in chapter three, say it again in chapter one. Like everybody repeats themselves. Readers yeah. need that. People put down books all the time in chapter one and come back a month later in chapter three. Just remind them. I have never once in my life said the exact same joke that I've said before. <laughs> On that note, what do you think of Paul Rudd? <laughs> Paul Rudd. <laughs> Is that is that's that's is a serious, part of the, part honest of it? question? Oh, yeah. that's an honest question. Yeah. Okay. I like Paul Rudd as an actor. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't know him personally. We would hope to. We're, we're trying to get there. We to we've asked that. every interview that we've ever had their thoughts on Paul Rudd. Okay, so the joke that he has recurring on late night television, where they show a clip of his movie, but it's not, and it's a clip from that movie <laughs> with the weird alien. That's hilarious. Also, he was a fine Ant Man. I think he was really good. Yeah. He was fine. Uh, this all started when we did a, an episode of reboots. Mm. So we we're talking about all the movies that are going to get rebooted in the next couple of years. Mm -hmm. And we were like, we're going to come up with, or we can tell you what's going to be rebooted. That's, it's our new segment. And we're going to tell you who we think should be. Mm. This guy over here, Rich, <laughs> said Paul Rudd for probably 85% of the movies that are being rebooted. And we were like, you know what? He probably could do almost all these. It was like, it was like American it, Werewolf it's in London. unexpected, and, right? I mean, come on now. Yeah. American Werewolf in London... <laughs> He totally could be in that. Okay, can we talk about can we talk about that movie for a minute? Yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Wait, the original or the yeah, reboot? Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. The no, reboot's not, not, not right Paris. No, no. Not, not Paris. No, London. Okay. So, okay, when they run into that werewolf, he just watches his friend get mauled. I mean, he's just—it's a really long <laughs> scene, and he's just—he's doing nothing. He's not even running. And I know that's like fight, flight, or freeze is a thing now, but it wasn't then, man. It wasn't when they made that movie, and he's—he is just watching. He's what? just got the Michael Jackson popcorn. He's, he's just he's, watching. He's it. like, oh yeah, of course, my friend is being mauled. You know, like, interesting. What are you doing? By a ferocious creature. Yeah, I mean, but it, I just feel like um, you have that. And you kind of have that in a lot of books, too. You're like, wait a minute. How, how is this character seeing so much? Like, is he just really that master detective? Like, he can just see everything? And I feel like the author is just explaining... If the, if, the, if the author's meaning for it to be first person, he's explaining too much. Yeah. Because the first person, you couldn't see that much. And in the movie... They're like, well, we spent all of our budget on this scene or whatever, or on these three scenes, maybe. And so they're like, yeah, we can't, we can't cut away. Show you everything, yeah. But it's and it's just not as fast it, because it probably should have been like three seconds, and he just he couldn't physically. Yeah, yeah you're right. It totally doesn't. The literary device you use to get around that, I think, is the one that they also use in D and D tabletop, where every round is like a heartbeat. Yeah. Right. So yeah. they in the Forgotten Realms novels, at least they that's how they. That's how they describe stuff like a heartbeat later, yeah. you know? So that's, there's a literary device to help you mash more in there. But like, I agree with you. It's yeah. funny that you said that because there's, there's something else I've noticed in a lot of action, especially martial arts movies, because this is where I'm going with it, is they're trying to build up the action. They're trying to show whoever the main star is that they're the best at what they do or, they, you know, they're good at fighting. But that's every single time, it's only, there's 10 guys that are going to jump this one master martial artist and they go in one at a time. And they fight him one at a time. I was like, if this is a real life story, a real life fight, they're all going to jump on him at the same time. That's just... That was Jackie Chan's claim to fame with his choreography. Yeah. Is how they would grunt and then they'd be running in more than one at a time. <laughs> that was his claim to fame. But it's, it's funny that... They, I mean, Jackie Chan is, is good. Um, I think Tony Jaa, Jet Li, like those guys are good. There's still people out there though that were like, you know, there's 20 people here. We're going to fight one at a time because we're trying to mug him. Like, Okay, it doesn't make sense, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but I mean, really, only so many people can fit. That that's just just like he's saying. Jackie Chan normally he he did fight two yeah, or three yeah, people yeah. at it. I mean, obviously, 
he can't fight 10 people at the same time, but also 10 people can't fight him at the same time. Say, yeah. Well, that's, but that's what I'm saying. If you were, if this, if it was a real life fight and you have, you have six friends and you're trying to, you know, get this one guy down, all six of you are going to jump on him no, somewhere not. and hold I, I, Then you're in the wrong gang. <laughs> yeah. There, there's some, there's, I don't know. I don't know what the limit is. Probably, probably limit is probably about three people, maybe four. I, I, I don't know. I, in, in, I, until you, until you have them, once you have them, then everybody can start kicking him. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Right. So, but you you have to get him like, especially if he has a weapon of any sort, <laughs> because if because normally and, and actually they point this out in a lot of scenarios where, um, in a, in a real situation, if if the middle person has a weapon, the first person to attack him dies. Yeah, pretty much. And so you know that ten people can can beat one person, but who dies? Oh, the, yeah, that's part of like live shooter, active shooter training. Is it's so there's the layers, right? It's like if you know someone has a gun but you can't hear it, run away. If you know someone has a gun and you can hear it, hide. If you know someone has a gun and you can see them, rush them. That's that's part of that's like active shooter training. Yeah. It's like if you're in a room full of people and you can all see the guy who has a gun, like attack the guy who has a gun because people, more people get shot running away. Yeah. So. Yeah. So one other important question for Seth. you. Most important question of the night. We already okay. asked Paul Rudd. No. <laughs> what cereal do you have <laughs> in the morning? What's so, your favorite cereal? Yeah. What's your favorite? Yeah. Your favorite you just dragged it out. Way too much. <laughs> Cinnamon Toast Crunch. It's a taste you can see. <laughs> you can see. They, is that a phrase? Is it, it real? It is their. It is their. That's slogan. their tagline. Yeah, it's their. It's their slogan. Or I also like Snickerdoodle cookies and oatmeal cookies because the real flavor of oatmeal cookies is, is cinnamon, and I like cinnamon. But so. what about what about Lucky Charms? That's the taste you can see. You can literally no, no, see the marshmallows. They're, they're magically delicious. <laughs> <laughs> also, there's like almost no flavor in the. There's in none. The, I hate the texture too. You know, before the marshmallows really soak up anything, they like, oh, they get like styrofoamy, and you're yeah, it's styrofoamy. No, thank you. Oh, that's a question that this is actually brought um, into some fights before. So, I like one of my favorite cereals is Frosted Mini Wheats. Okay, good. And, and when I go and pour my milk in it. I'll pour milk in it and I'll let it sit there for like a couple minutes okay. and let the milk absorb. Are you one of those people or are you the ones like, I have to eat it right away. I don't want my cereal soggy. Hmm. How big is the bowl that I poured? I would say you could, you, because, okay, let's get real here. Cereal companies, your boxes are too small. So let's what say the about hell? half the box. Okay. I'm not half talking family size. I'm not talking family size. I'm talking the regular size. Half they're, the box. The bowls that I use at home that are not, they're not very big. I only get four bowls out of it. I'm, I'm, uh, How did you go from half yeah, the well, box to four bowls? I'm, I'm confused. Yeah, what, what, what bowls are these? I'm confused. <laughs> I'm a fatty, okay? I'm a pretty, I'm pretty knowledgeable on bowls. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wh- wrong bowl, Frankie. Wrong bowl. <laughs> All right, so I'm, I'm, I'm in the uh, non-crunchy mini wheat camp. I'd rather let them get a little soggy, awesome. but I don't want them so soggy that they're falling apart. Exactly my point. I, you know, it's texture. Yes, like, we're here for the texture. I wanna, I wanna bite no, down and... our fist bump. I love that you said mini wheat because that's like. I refuse to eat crunchy mini wheat. Yeah. I refuse. That's gross. That's why I hate the mini, I hate the bite sized mini wheat. And what I'm even more angry about is I'm just, it, actually, I'm just angry that now the, the, the original size is now called Big Bite, <laughs> <laughs> which that's original size. And the minis is now normal size. I didn't know about that, but I'm angry too. It's, this is horrible. Awesome. Like because those minis 
hold out the water, I mean the the water, the milk in in some way that the big bite didn't. The big bite you could just like use your spoon. It soaked up the milk pretty reasonably quickly, and you just scoop it in half. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah perfect. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I don't. I like uh, mini wheats, frosted flakes, all that stuff like that. I like it to absorb enough of the milk to where you know it's got milk in it when you bite down into it, but it's not to where it's like disintegrating because the milk has been there too long. I'm picky with my. I'm mm, not really yes, picky, just, yes, all of that. <laughs> um, I've also. We, oh, I don't know if you guys have been, but I've been trying the. Um, is it? I don't know if it's Nabisco. Who makes it? Uh, like the the oh the Hostess. They have the donuts cereal donuts the, churros the churros and um there's one more i can't remember what they uh, are. i also had the pop tarts cereal which kind mm. of defeats itself because pop tarts are, yeah, I, don't, I don't get it. it was good it just didn't make any sense so your whole reason you get pop tarts is because you want to eat it on the go but now you put it in a bowl with milk i don't eat pop tarts on the go i always did really yeah hmm. do you eat them toasted if i had a time to toast them i would if not i just take them and go how did that was gonna be my <laughs> I could just imagine you being like just James Fashion, just going over to this toaster, not even thinking. Oh, I just toasted this. Oh God! Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, they they get paper hot. towel. I always had a paper towel. <laughs> Come on, what are you? Okay, yeah, you, I guess. Pop tarts are not enough, a good to go I would do thing that with bagels too. I, I we I, we still every now and then, Fabi and I Burn your hand? Get, get bagels. We'll put them in the toaster. I'll put cream cheese on them. I put them on a paper towel, and then I get in the car and go. I'm not that dedicated to on-the-go food. Actually, I, re- actually, I literally... Maybe you should write a whole cookbook about yeah, this apparently. or something. Yeah, <laughs> do it. So what you want to do is get out your Self portable heater. Yeah, you, you have somebody right here. <laughs> Breakfast for the traveling man. <laughs> so are, are we at that time where we... Uh... I think we are. Um, William, I don't know if you've played this game before, but it seems to be a fan favorite of, well, I think all of... The three or four people who've listened to it said it was funny. Do you like utter and do you like nonsense? Yes. All right, then you'll love utter nonsense. But this is there's a rules to play this game, but because we're on a podcast, we just it, we, we just, just do it for fun. Yeah, we just do it for fun. We okay. do we do two rounds typically. Two rounds. So the yellow card is going to be an accent, and then the white card is going to be a, a usually, usually a not safe for work phrase. Too. We are a not safe for work podcast. If you guys didn't know that already. Um, and it's it's hilarious. So, but if it's something uh, for the yellow card, if it says like interpretive dance, uh, just let us know because yeah. obviously if it's something visual. Then um, <laughs> we do have a couple in here that are very visual and and, and not. Oh. oh God! Would you get off? All right. So we got the accents are out. I haven't looked at the phrase that you're supposed to say yet. There's the phrases. And while we get that one set up, who wants to go first while I deal out the next one, too? Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah, not a lot of volunteers. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm back in school. So I have to read, I have to read the phrase with the accent that the and accent hopefully, is. And hopefully yes. we can figure out what, what you were trying to be. What phrase or what accent you were trying. Okay. Do we just go? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Let me think. Okay, I'm done thinking. Okay. I knew I made it once Kathy Griffin chopped my head off. Um, I'm not going to say anything because I, I forgot I cheated and looked because I was yeah, trying to make sure. Yeah, you cheated a little bit. I'm, 
Man, I'm distracted by the words you said, though. <laughs> That's what they're there for. That, that is what they're there for. <laughs> that, that darn Kathy Griffin. Um, it does fit the accent, though. Thank you. I Yeah, Frankie, what, did, what accent did you say? I'm just grumpy old man. Wow. That's exactly what it says. <laughs> oh, there you go. All right. <laughs> there you go. It's a grumpy Woo! old man. One of us killed it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Frankie. Did you see yourself? What? Did, didn't you just say Frankie? Yeah, I said Frankie because he's going. No, I said Frankie. Oh, you said Frankie. Okay. He's like, oh, Frankie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's my own name, you know? <sighs> Oh, Beyonce's new newborn twins have more Insta followers than I do. Ho, ho, ho. Gee, I wonder if that was yeah, a giveaway. <laughs> the Santa Claus always uh, always has to add the ho, ho, ho. He likes his hoes. Like he does, yeah. Uh, especially his Beyonce hoes. <laughs> Alternate answer, happy old man. <laughs> do you want to go next? You want me to sure. go? I should have said jolly. Jump. For the listeners, jolly old man, sorry. Whoa, I love your tan. Do you use bronzer or are you mulatto or something? <laughs> I know what accent it is and he nailed it. Surfer. Surfer. Yep, it was yeah. surfer. <laughs> All right, and I'm going to try and do this one. Okay. Uh, hi there. Yes, can I get a tall, non fat, cellulite free body? Uh, for here, because I'm the smartest guy ever. <laughs> Napoleon Dynamite? I can give you a better hint. I'm not good at doing it, so. What's We're going to build the wall. Oh, oh <laughs> Trump. Trump. Oh. Trump. It's a lot easier when I could say something he said before. <laughs> Ram. At least Ram. he can be proud Ram. that he was probably the quickest person to be inserted into this game yeah that's probably true yeah okay that one good frankie you especially need this one i especially need this one <laughs> why i didn't even know i didn't even know there was a dialect <laughs> but all right sure i, I are we going in the same order yeah same order yeah. Oh, okay okay me okay i'm thinking okay i'm done okay well the only people that should be doing a mannequin challenge are dead <laughs> Uh, Sounds like Dear uh, Jesus <laughs> A hick That's Yeah hick, that, that, I would consider hill, hill, The same I would consider All of those the same Redneck Oh redneck Redneck Redneck, yeah, redneck. <laughs> redneck. You know, redneck. redneck yeah. If your family tree Doesn't fork <laughs> <laughs> Frankie's Getting into character I can't wait to see this one. <laughs> I got tired of cooking, so I got married. Oh, God. Oh, that was a big one. Constipated? No, I'm just pooping. Just pooping. pooping. Yes, Regular just, poop. just pooping. Regular pooping. <laughs> Santa constipated. So everybody knows how I go to the bathroom, I, you know. Michael? Yep. Uh-huh. Even though I ain't slept, I just missed that. <laughs> 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 
That's horrible. Even though, no, I, I can't do it. I, yeah, I can't. I was like, even though I, yeah, it's like the words like don't work. Uh, okay, so let me see. Let me think about it. Mm, okay. Uh-huh. Even though I ain't slept, I still stay woke. I, I can't do it, guys. It's supposed it's, to be French. supposed to be French, yeah. Oui, uh, oui. Yeah, it was, yeah. Like, I couldn't fit those words into anything a French person would say. <laughs> you know, I ain't no, that's slept. Dracula. Yeah, you're Romanian. <laughs> Which Dracula is actually an option in here, too. Um, but I always go Sesame Street. <laughs> right, if you don't do the ah, 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 it's not Dracula at all. <laughs> it's not. It just, just makes sense. All right. I feel like this might be pretty easy. It's my party in Hagi High if I want to. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> uh, that was just drunk? James, guys. That oh, was thanks. just James. <laughs> it was drunk. It was, it was That's why it was easy. <laughs> You're like, oh, we're waiting for the accent here. Come on, anytime now. <laughs> All right, so um, I think we're at the end. If you guys didn't already, Did you want to give him a few minutes to promote. Yeah, I was gonna say, if you guys didn't yeah. already catch it, definitely go to um, Amazon and look him up. Um, what else you got to say for you know? We want to make sure people know where to find you and anything coming up in the future that they should be looking for. Yep. So find me on Amazon. Uh, keyword, best keyword to search, CH05EN. You'll see all my stuff on there. You should be on the lookout in the next few weeks for Chosen Book One and sometime in October for a new comic called Chosen Chris. Awesome. And I, 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 we were talking about it earlier. You might get it fixed. Um, for some reason, Amazon has picked two different names for you. That's really weird. Yeah, it's, it's probably my fault. I'm sure, I'm sure it's not their fault. It's probably my fault. But he was like, don't it. mention it. And you're like, yeah. It's fine. You'll, you'll find them. If you actually type in just first and last name, I think you're probably the only one on there with a book There's series. one other guy named Will, William Dickstein who has like a, um, it's like a, it's like a science uh, textbook from like hmm. 1984. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, you know, you can just search chosen and then yeah. it'll all come yeah. up. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah. works too. Chosen spelled with a, a zero five. A zero to five. Yeah. Not, and yeah. you said the next uh, convention you're going to be at is the. I'll be at Amazing Las okay. Vegas. Yep. Mm-hmm. Which is the end of next month. And I'll have the book there. So if you're already going or you want to buy your ticket on Groupon today for like 30 bucks, you can come find me. I'll do that. And then on top of that, you can get it signed while you're there. That's yeah, the best part. He's the writer. Yeah, he'll be there. <laughs> you might surprise a few people. You know, I actually wrote this. What? <laughs> Happens all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, I thought you were just like the booth seller. You know what? Before we end, I wait, do wait. It. He's got to tell people what, is, what, what the name is of his helpers. What? Help? what? I, I, I love this, that he called them the chosen crew. Or something like that. Oh, that was a thing. It's yeah. not a thing anymore. Not a thing anymore. It was a thing. So the first time I went to the convention, yeah. I ordered a bunch of shirts, and I wanted I like the same I thing. wanted like guerrilla marketing because I had a bunch of friends who were going to be going all, almost all three days. Yeah. So everyone that I knew that showed up, I just gave them a shirt. Like I I pulled Facebook, and I was like, if you're going, give me your shirt size. Wear the shirt while you're there, please. And so I had a bunch of people walking around the first year who were wearing my shirts. Yeah. I do. Right before we had to go, I, I just thought of a really good question that I, I really wanted to know the answer to. Um, because it seems like you, you've run into it once or twice before where people don't realize that you're the writer. Has anyone said something about the book, not realizing that you wrote it and you were like, Hey, uh, yeah, that was thank thankfully. So, you know, I've gotten bad comments to my face. Yeah. Mainly from little kids but, but to your face on purpose though, or by act like, cause 
I think it hurts more when they're like, ah, oh, this guy didn't know what the fuck he was doing. You're like, yeah, I'm right here. Pretty much all of them knew it was me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, the fair. most the most vocal comments come from the um from the book festival in October, where like you know people are there reading the prose more than the comic books, yeah. and so a lot of my repeat business too comes from there. And um, I had one lady on the good end who bought it for like her granddaughter or something and then walked away and started reading it and came back and bought one for herself. That was an amazing feeling. Yeah. That's and awesome. then I had a kid last year who came back and was like, hey, my copy like got it got caught out in the rain or something. and got destroyed. And he was like, I really wanted to finish it. So I gave it to him. And that was really cool. And I had a separate little kid same day who came back and was like, I want to read the next one because I read the last one, but I didn't really like it that much. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, thanks for telling me, man. I really appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, well, he obviously had to like it enough to want to read the next one. So I don't know. Um, okay, yeah. Um, I think that's 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 it for the show. And uh, hopefully, you guys like the new name of the show. And hopefully, you like William as you know an, a writer. So go read all this stuff, all of it. I'm waiting. I'm kind of we'll wait. Okay, no, we're not gonna wait. Uh, I think that's it. We'll see you guys later. Bye. Bye, guys. Do we take our selfie yet? <laughs> <laughs>